0: would like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to a book I haven't said turn to very often, the book of Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. This is one of the more bizarre stories uh, in the the Bible. It's going to be kind of a a little bit of a weird story when we read it. Ezekiel is that way. A lot of good messages in Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel, God through Ezekiel told a lot of wonderful stories and just illustrated them in in just almost like the parables that Jesus teaches in the New Testament. But in order to understand our text today, Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, a little history and background is going to be needed. If you remember your Old Testament history, after the death of Solomon and the reign of his son Rehoboam, during Rehoboam's reign, the kingdom divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Ten tribes became what's known from that point on as the country of Israel. And then two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, became known as the kingdom of Judah. And they were two separate uh, entities, uh, both of them for the most part living out of God's will. Uh, Scripture tells us that uh, Israel did not have any good kings as far as kings that feared God and uh, It encouraged the people to worship God. And as a matter of fact, in 722 B.C., the kingdom of Israel was taken into captivity by the Assyrians, and they would never come out of captivity. They, for the most part, would be assimilated into uh, the, the different parts of the world. Judah survived for a little over 100 years, but for the most part, that time was dark. Until finally, in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon came and took the brightest, most intelligent, strongest, top of the cream of the crop people out of uh, out of Judah. And the young men we know as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went with this first group over to Babylon so that in Nebuchadnezzar's mind, he was going to teach them to be good little Babylonians. And we find out Daniel, of course, makes his stand for God while he's there. Uh, Ten years later... In uh, seven, or in uh, rather, in uh, 595 B.C., a second group was taken out of Judah, and Ezekiel went with this group. And then finally, ten years later, 586 B.C., uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes to Judah, Jerusalem, for the third time, and this time he's had enough. The people kept trying for some crazy reason; they thought they could rebel against. Uh, Babylon and be okay. Finally, Nebuchadnezzar says, "I've had enough," and he pretty much destroys Jerusalem. He destroys the temple, takes all the temple furnishings back with him to uh, to Babylon, and uh, that's pretty much where the Israel or the Jews from Judah stayed for the next seventy years. And that kind of sets up our story in chapter thirty-seven. Ezekiel was probably in his mid-twenties when he was taken into Babylonian captivity. Je- uh, Ezekiel was also a priest. Uh, not only was he a prophet, he was also a priest. But he gives several cool uh, prophecies. And the one we're going to read today is, is, is very. It's a little weird, but it's interesting. Let's begin reading in Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was on me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones. And say to them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring you flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath on you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, say to the wind, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and and the breath came into them, And they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Isn't that kind of weird? During uh, Ezekiel's career as a prophet, God commanded him to prophesy to mountains. He told him to prophesy to forests. In our story today, he prophesies to dead bones and to uh, the winds. A little bit little bit weird to our thinking, but uh, and I've preached to a lot of different audiences trying to relate to Ezekiel here. And I've got to admit, I've never preached to an audience full of uh, dead bones. Now, some may, uh, they have, may have acted like they were dead. They may have fallen asleep, but I've never, uh, never, never preached to anybody uh, any dead bones, but Ezekiel does. And it's interesting when Ezekiel uses his message all through the book, he really corrects three theological mistakes that the, the Jews had as far as their relationship with God is concerned. Number one, the captives that were in Babylon thought that they were being punished for their ancestors' sin. And Ezekiel gives a terrific sermon in in chapter 18 talking about the fact that you're being punished for your sins. Now this was a generational thing, but Ezekiel says you need to understand you've rebelled against God. The reason why you're here, this is because of what you have done. The captives in Babylon also thought that God was way back in the temple at Jerusalem, that God wasn't with them in Babylon. And Ezekiel has to point out to them that God is not limited to a certain place in a certain space. God doesn't necessarily dwell in temples made with hands. And the captives had to understand that. And then third, God told uh, them through uh, Ezekiel that God would not leave them forever in Babylon, that God would bring them home and that God would, would send them home. And so with that backdrop in mind, let's look with look at this valley of dried bones and, and what can we say about it? First of all, I have to think when I look at verses 1 and 2 especially, that it was a place of misery. As Ezekiel wandered about this valley, and it says that God took him and placed him there. Uh, that is a little bit to get our, we have to wrap our heads around that a little bit. He does that several times in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel God takes him and places him in this valley and God says that and Ezekiel says that God had him walk around in the valley and look and I think it was so he could get his mind around what this place was Scripture tells us that it was just a valley it was an open valley it was open for everybody to see uh, it was a place that uh, was just only thing you could say it's it just it just misery it's death. Uh, when you go into a funeral home, and there is just a smell that is there that smells like a funeral home. And, and it's, it's supposed to be flowers. That's what they try to make it smell like. But what it is, is it's a scent that covers up the scent that's really there, and that's the scent of death. Uh, these, bo- these bones, Scripture tells us they were dry. That means they had been there a long time. They had been set out for of uh, the sun. They were bleached white by the sun. The animals had eaten them. The birds had eaten them. Uh, they were just there. It was a place that was a valley of death. Uh, I'm a history fan, and when I was reading about the battle, the, the Little Bighorn battlefield, when the soldiers came and found General Custer's soldiers dead on the battlefield, they said they were stunned at how quickly the the uh, sun had bleached the bones white, and uh, nature takes its course. But there was no doubt as Ezekiel looked around and and saw this, the way you would sum that valley up would be a way of just misery. It was a place of misery because of its lifelessness. There was just no life there. I don't know if y'all ever watched the movie, or if you've watched it, you might not remember it, but the movie Jeremiah Johnson, and there's a scene in that movie where Jeremiah Johnson, and it's it's a western, and him and the soldiers that he's with, they ride through an Indian burial ground. And the music that they play, it's just, it's spooky and eerie. And even me, as a child, it really just, uh, really bothered me. But as an adult watching that same scene now, it's, I'm still, it's just a place of death. It's just a place of lifelessness. What what can dead bones do? Nothing. They're just, they're just laying there. They have no identity. They have no ability. They have no action. There's nothing that they can do. They are just dead. They're lifeless. So this was a place of misery because of the lifelessness. It was also a place of misery because of the shamefulness. For a Jew, a Jew took very special care and respect for a dead body. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, how they, when we was looking at the death of Jesus, how the Jews would put spices and they would take the body with respect. Well, these bodies were just laid out in the open. For everybody to see, Uh, it was disgraceful. It would have been shameful for a Jew uh, to have done that. Uh, Interestingly enough, in the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm not going to read it, but I'll give you the scripture reference. You can read it a little bit later. Deuteronomy 28, 25, and 26 tells us that God, Moses prophesies in Deuteronomy that in the future, the bodies of the Jews would be laid open and their carcasses, the animals would eat and the birds would eat of their carcasses. This is, Ezekiel is a prophet, but his prophecy fulfills Moses' prophecy. So this was a place of death. This was a place of misery. And not only that, it was a place of mystery. In verses 3 and 4, God asks a question to Ezekiel. God says, Son of Man, and by the way, Son of Man is the title that God uses for it. Ezekiel, he normally doesn't say Ezekiel, he says son of man. Son of man, can these bones live? In other words, is there anything alive out in this this valley that you've seen? I've I've had you walk about it, I've had you look at it. Is there anything that's living? Now, Ezekiel had walked with God long enough not to walk into this trap wide open. The first answer was that, well, of course not, these bones can't come to life. They're dead bones, once you're dead, you're dead. Ezekiel says, Lord, only you know. In other words, you can do with these bones what you want to do with them. It's a place of mystery because of the fact that it can't be understood with human reasoning. Notice verse five. Thus says the Lord God into these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. You can't understand it with our reasoning. If these bones were gonna come to life, it would be due to something Ezekiel or no other human could figure out. Ezekiel couldn't whip out his slide rule and say, Oh, here's how we can make these bones live. Or I've got a good idea. Here's what we can do. He couldn't call in. The, he, Ezekiel didn't tell God and say, God, let me call in. The, there's a lot of smart folks over there in Babylon. Let's, let's figure, see if we can figure this out. Ezekiel understands that if these bones were going to come to life, it'd be something beyond his or any other human's line of reasoning. It's also can't be solved with human ability. Verse 6, he says, I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. You know, man has a lot of talents. We human beings can do some remarkable things. We build remarkable things. We create remarkable things. We Just a lot of things we could do. But let me tell you, one thing that's not in a human's bag of tricks is to bring the dead back to life. I understand sometimes somebody's heart might quit for a couple of minutes and be brought up. Once a person, these dead bones, there's nobody in our human world that can go out in the middle of Old New Hope Cemetery and say, you bones, y'all, rise up. It's mysterious how that's done. We we can't figure it out with human reasoning. We can't figure it out with human ability. We just can't raise the dead. It is just something that God has to do. So this valley was a place of misery. This valley was a place of mystery. This valley was also a place of miracles. Notice here how God brought these old dry bones back to life. God could have said, Let there be life. That worked pretty well before, didn't it? Y'all remember in Genesis where God said, let there be life, and just boom, there was life. God could have snapped his fingers. God could have clapped his hands. There were any number of ways God could have brought these old, dead, dry bones back to life. But what he chose to do is to bring these dead bones back to life through preaching. That's pretty cool to me. Because like I said before, as a preacher, I've never preached to dead bodies. I might have thought they were dead. I have to speak a little louder to see if they move sometimes. But i I never preached to dead. God tells Ezekiel, preach to these bones. And to Ezekiel's credit, Ezekiel has walked with God in, in this ministry long enough where it doesn't seem weird to him. He just does what God says to do. And he begins to preach to these bones. This shows the power of God's word. Now, this morning, I hope you did not come to hear the messenger, but I hope that you came to hear the message because I'm going to do the best as a job as a messenger to present the message the Lord's laid on my heart because it's the Lord's message. And just not preaching alone It wasn't just preaching alone that brought these dead bones back to life. God's Holy Spirit worked on the preaching. Notice what it says here in verse five. Thus says the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter unto you. In verse nine, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. This word breath is the Hebrew word ruach. I know that doesn't mean anything to you, but this is the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 when God created Adam, and it said that he breathed the breath of life into him. That is this word ruach. This is not just breath. This is God's breath. This is the Holy Spirit. What God did through the preaching of Ezekiel is to send his holy, at the sound of Ezekiel's words, the Holy Spirit then, when, when, when Ezekiel preached, the Holy Spirit acted, and these bones came to life. How would you have liked to be Ezekiel and seen these bones? Ezekiel says there was a noise, and I heard this noise, and these bones started moving. And, and the bones started moving, and tendons <laughs> came on them, and, and skin came on them. It says, but they did, still didn't have breath. And so God says, son of man, speak to the four winds. And this basically is the idea that God is bringing the wind from everywhere, breath from everywhere, his power, breathe breath. and This, this breath enters these dead bones. And it says that they stand up and they become a great, mighty army. And people say the Bible's boring. <coughs> Isn't this pretty cool? I know we have the movies today, Walking Dead and Zombie Apocalypse and all that kind of stuff. This has got that beat hands down. God takes these old dry bones and through the power of preaching, through the power of his word, the Holy Spirit puts life back into these bones. So it was a place of misery. It was a place of mystery. It was a place of miracles. But we... Also, need to understand the motive of the Valley of Dried Bones. Verses ten to fourteen tell us that these bones represent Israel. It's been a long time since Judah and Israel had a living relationship with God. In their minds, God was dead. They started following after these other gods and goddesses, and and so in their mind, their God was somebody that was an old man way back and that he brought our people out of Egypt, but they forgot about that. And God, in turn, forgot about them. And he told them, remember we remember our daily Bible reading when Joshua and Moses both told the people, as long as you follow me and as long as you trust me and as long as you don't go following after these other gods and goddesses, he says, I will take care of you. I will make sure you have what you need. I'll provide for you. He says, but when you leave me and go chasing after these other gods and goddesses, he says, I'm going to cause famine and pestilence and disease. And he says, finally, if you won't turn around and straighten up, he said, I'll take you away into captivity. And God does it. They've been dead. But through Ezekiel, God tells these people, specifically Judah, God says, I'm not done with you yet. There's coming a time where I'm going going to blow breath back into you and you will rise and you will become my army. This prophecy has two partial fulfillments and the total fulfillment's not yet to be fulfilled. First of all, I told you at the beginning of the sermon, after about 70 years, some of the Jews left Babylon, and went back and rebuilt Jerusalem and the temple and the walls. Uh, we get to Jesus' day. Jesus is crucified on the day of Pentecost. Remember when the Holy Spirit came and God placed his spirit in the people? He continues to do that in the church age today. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit is placed in us. That's still just a partial fulfillment. The total, complete fulfillment of this prophecy is going to happen at any time when Jesus Christ comes and he sets up his millennial kingdom. That's in the future. But understand, you know what is cool about this to me? It's if God fulfilled this partially when he let the Jews go back home. And if he's filled this in the church age with the Holy Spirit, if he's done that, that tells me he's going to do the millennial kingdom thing too. If if God's prophecies are coming true now, that's just something to build our faith that the future prophecies are going to come true as well. The motive of the Valley of Dried Bones is these dried bones are Israel. But there's also a message in the dry bones for us today. We have a message for us today. You know what that message is? The Holy Spirit can breathe life into you and into me today. Now I preach this message. Whether it sinks into your heart and whether it takes root, depends on two things. It depends on you and it depends on the Holy Spirit. Are we going to let the Holy Spirit work on our hearts to let, let that message come in? The parable of the sower tells us that Satan is trying to take the seed away before it can take root. The question is, are we going to let it take root in our hearts and in our, in our minds? Are we going to let the Holy Spirit make us alive today? And, and let's look at this through two separate lenses. Number one. First, if you're not a Christ follower this morning, Ephesians 2 verse 1 reminds us that a person that hasn't trusted Jesus as their Savior is dead in their trespasses and sins. You are just as dead spiritually as that valley of dry bones were physically. You know, you may be walking around, but you truly are a dead person walking if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior. And Ephesians goes on and tells us that when we are dead in our trespasses and sins, that we have no hope. But then it says in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, hath quickened us together in Jesus Christ. God makes us alive. Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the... If you haven't trusted Jesus this morning, if you're dead in your trespasses and sins, why not let Jesus breathe life into you this morning? Understand that you can't save yourself, but Jesus can. Simply saying, Lord, save me. I'm a sinner, and the Lord promises that he'll do that. Aren't you glad you don't have to pray, Lord, save me if I'm good enough? Aren't you glad you don't have to pray, Lord, save me if I'm rich enough? If you're like me, certainly aren't you glad you don't have to say, Lord, save me because I'm good looking enough? Aren't you glad there's no enough that can fill in that blank? Because we can't do enough, but Jesus Christ did enough. I'm going to say that again to make sure you get that. And those of us that are Christians, we need to remember that. We need a good dose of that too every now and then. We can't do enough, but Jesus Christ did enough. Amen. Jesus Christ is not only can he do enough to save us, he can do enough to keep us saved. Amen. Amen. Amen? He can keep us there. But secondly, maybe at one time you were on fire for the Lord. You can remember back and you did lots of different things for the Lord. You were involved in different ministries and different things down at the church. And for whatever reason, now you find yourself in this valley of dried bones. And let me suggest to you that most of us get there on occasion. We have those valleys in our lives where God seems far away and it maybe it seems like our prayer lives aren't getting past the rafters of the roof. And if that's where you're finding yourself this morning, can I encourage you to let the Holy Spirit of God breathe and refresh you and breathe into you renewal and revival and let Him bring you back to life let his word reach deep into your heart and pull you out of that valley. Let him restore life, vibrancy, and passion to your relationship with him. You know what? One by one, if we will let the Holy Spirit work in us and through us, God, through his Holy Spirit power, will turn Old New Hope Baptist Church into a mighty living army for him. But it starts with me, and it starts with you, and it starts with each individual person. We can't look and say, well, boy, Old New Hope would be a great church if only Brother So-and-so would get with it. Or God sure would do a lot through Old New Hope if Sister So-and-so would get with it. We need to be saying, you know what? God wants to do great things through Old New Hope, and he wants to do it through me. And by me, I mean you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me. And God wants to raise us up. He wants to take a valley of old, dry bones. And if God can take a valley of old, dry bones and give them life, can't he take an old, dry church and give it life? Amen. I fully believe the Holy Spirit's alive and well in our church at Old New Hope. And he's wanting to revive and create anew. There's just no telling what God can do with the church that gets on fire for him. But the question starts, it's not about what's this church going to do, it's it's, am I going to be on fire for him. Because if I get on fire for him and you get on fire for him, guess what, the church will get on fire for him. It's amazing how that works out. If I'm not on fire, if I'm dead and you're dead, guess what, the church isn't going to, it's going to be dead too. But once we get alive and we start working, Let's bow. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this message of the dry bones. and I pray that we would look beyond this cool story and realize that that's a story about each and every one of us. And I pray, Father, as we listen to this message, I pray we would let it sink into our hearts. Let your message sink into our hearts and work on our minds and just peel back the layers of our heart. Father, if there's someone in this audience that's never trusted you as their Savior, I pray you would convict them this morning of their need to do that. And I pray you would give them the courage to come forward during this invitation time to get right with you so you can put life into their body and into their soul and into their spirit. And Father, if there's someone here or more than one someone here more people here that are in this valley of dried bones this morning. I pray you would bring breathe fresh life upon them. And I pray that you would restore them and set them on fire once again for you and for your kingdom and for your word and for your work. Father, I pray this message, this word would find and take root in our hearts, not because I preached it, but in spite of the fact that I preached it, Father, it's your word, and I pray your word would find its truth in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.